0: Hello, and welcome to the Smart Karma Podcast. I'm Michael Tegos. Every week on the podcast, we share a presentation and discussion from our webinar Wednesdays when we sit down with Smart Karma insight providers and selected experts from around the world to break down the key topics you care about in Asia's markets. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and so on. Thank you for being with us, and enjoy the episode. Today, I'm very happy to be joined by Ankit Agrawal, who will discuss the forecasting model he developed to identify Asian companies that are likely to raise or cut dividends. Ankit is the founder and CIO of Yellowstone Equity, a firm providing unbiased and independent research on Indian equities. He focuses on equity bottom-up and forensic accounting, and his investment research experience spans across asset classes and geographies acquired at such firms as Investcorp and How and Ankit, uh, thank you very much for being with us today.
1: Thank you, Michael. Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for taking the time out in attending today's webinar. Uh, since Michael has already introduced me, let me just uh, hit it off the ground. Just before we get into it, uh, let me just uh, mention some disclaimers and disclosures. Uh, note that I'm a SEBI registered uh, research analyst. Just as a way of disclosure, uh, I do not have any positions in any of the companies discussed in today's presentation. All right, so just a quick agenda for today's session. I'll cover some of the high level stuff first around uh, discussing around our philosophy and approach for the models, uh, the universe we have used, and the live dashboard that we have created. And from there on, uh, I'll dive deeper into each of these models. Okay, so philosophy in approach. So one of the s- sins in the quantitative world is if you torture the data enough, it will yield something. So to avoid any such data-feeding biases, uh, whenever we set out to design a quantitative model, we focus on applying first principles first and then only quantifying them. So we have approached, uh, so we are, we are approached this models in a similar fashion. Uh, and when we started working on this project, uh, we first started with deep thinking about what parameters and then, then only we focused on fine-tuning any parameters or thresholds uh, based on our backtest insights. And despite our first principles approach, uh, we, were, we were pretty glad that uh, our backtest results came out very encouraging. Another goal that we set out m- before approaching this project was we thought this model should be useful from a perspective of providing the users Uh, a very very fertile ground, hunting ground for finding dividend opportunities. So in a sense, we wanted to reduce time for our users in in shortlisting uh, the right candidates for where a deeper dive could be uh, done. And also for quant managers uh, who use a basket approach, we wanted to provide a ready-made solution so they could just pick up a basket of high potential candidates for dividend growth and cut and uh, do a long shot bet or a long only bet. So that was the idea, that was the aim that we focused. And accordingly, uh, we focused more on minimizing type one error, that is reducing instances of false positives, uh, focusing on in finding the right candidates rather than paying attention to the magnitude of change in dividend. So just wanted to highlight that distinction here. One of the things that differentiates, uh, you know, our models is Typically people uh, develop one model and they pick up the top quartile or the bottom quartile and highlight the top quartile as dividend growth and bottom quartile as dividend cut and that kind of approach. Uh, What we have done is we have uh, developed two different models for one for dividend growth and one for dividend cut because we think the criteria, the parameters that one should use for both are very different. And uh, accordingly for our dividend growth model, Uh, You know, we have relied on consistency. Uh, This is based on our hypothesis that we performed well and have a strong history of paying dividends. Uh, So our dividend growth model takes into account eight stringent parameters and require companies to breach thresholds of at least six of these eight parameters for each of the last seven years. So we we focus a lot on consistency. On the other end, for our dividend cut cut model, uh, focus on consistency is less important. Uh, you know, there we are focused more on finding companies where there is long term secular decline in the business, coupled with short term fragility on top of high expectations for future dividends, as indicated by historical high dividend payouts. So, that's a broad philosophy and approach. And in terms of our universe that we use to pass through the models, uh, we have restricted ourselves to Asia focused companies and have further applied liquidity and size filters. Uh, such as market cap cap of uh, greater than $5 billion and daily trading uh, value of greater than $5 million uh, to narrow down our universe. So uh, our universe comprises of uh, 924 companies in total, of which uh, 386 companies are in developed Asia and rest in emerging Asia. Uh, As can be noticed from the chart here, uh, China and Japan dominate our universe uh but there is healthy representation from uh, rest of the 11 countries rest 11 countries as well except for some smaller em countries like uh, vietnam and philippines to make it convenient for end users to view and slice and dice the filtered results uh we have created a live dashboard uh, using google data studio the dashboard in itself is uh, pretty simple uh, to access and use. We have provided a hyperlink in our insight, which can be clicked to access the dashboard. Uh, The dashboard has a filter at the top uh, right to filter the results by regions as per the end user's choice. Uh, The green color table here provides results from our dividend growth model, uh, while the red table below uh, provides results from our dividend cut model. So going forward, uh, you know, we plan on doing regular updates, uh, we'll, we'll, we're shooting for quarterly updates. Uh, so uh, you, you, you can use the same link uh, forever and you'll get, update, get updated with the latest results on a quarterly basis. Uh, now, let us live, uh, dive deeper into each of the models. Uh, so starting with the dividend uh, growth model. Our dividend growth model uses historical seven-year data across parameters like EPS, dividend payout, current ratio, interest coverage, net debt to EBITDA, net debt to equity, EPS growth, and growth trend in reinvestment ratio, which is reinvestment as a percentage of sales. So the idea here is the first two parameters, dividend payout and EPS, uh, they basically ensure that we are picking companies that we that have been consistently dividend paying and profitable. Uh, the next four parameters are focused on determining financial strength both from a short term and long term perspective. so the current ratio and interest coverage uh, gives us short term insights and net debt to equity and net debt to EBITDA gives us uh, insights into the long- term balance sheet strength. The final two parameters uh, that are focused on earnings growth and reinvestment growth helps us filter companies where dividend growth is supported by growing earnings as well as declining intensity of reinvestments. Note that the threshold for EPS growth parameter is intentionally kept low at 0% because we are not necessarily seeking companies that are growing fast but rather are focused on companies where there is some earnings growth alongside declining rate of reinvestments. So the whole idea is to find businesses that are maturing with ample generation of excess cash flows to support dividend growth. And and just uh, just to uh, re-emphasize, given that we rely more on consistency, uh, we have intentionally kept uh, the thresholds for each of the parameters low uh, because we would rather have companies pass threshold for most of these parameters across each of the last uh, many years, seven years in our case, so that our hit rate and our type one errors uh, are reduced. So um, that's the broad uh, approach. Um, Now in terms of scoring and ranking, we have used uh, both an absolute score and a relative score uh, to filter and rank companies uh, within our universe. So we use absolute score to determine the level of conviction. Uh, We then overlay relative score within each cohort of conviction level to rank companies based on our outlook for the future dividend growth potential in terms of the magnitude of change. So for absolute score, each parameter, you know, all the eight parameters that we highlighted, so whenever each of this parameters is flagged, it's, a, it's given a score of one, and the sum of the total parameters flagged yields us the absolute score. Uh, based on our back test results, uh, we have found that we need companies uh, to have a score of six or above to at least provide a medium conviction for lower score companies, we can't uh, say with conviction whether they will grow dividends or not. So we need at least a score of six uh, for medium conviction. And if if the score is seven or above, we tend to have high conviction. In terms of relative score, we use, we use last three-year average dividend payout and long-term EPS growth parameters. Uh, what we do is we take the sum of the rank of companies for each of these parameters within the peer group to get the relative score. And the, the, the thumb rule is that companies with higher EPS growth and lower dividend payout are scored higher. So this is because, you know, companies with low dividend payout have significant headroom to grow dividends. So together, this parameters give us a good sense of potential for future uh, change in dividend in terms of magnitude. In terms of our relative scoring approach, you know, and overall, like in just, uh, just uh, uh, in terms of the backtest results, uh, for our our overall model, we were quite happy with the results of the 920 plus companies in our universe. About 30 companies passed our strict filters and obtained an absolute score of eight. And of this, only a couple of companies showed negative five-year forward dividend growth, which implies that we have a 90% greater than 90% hit rate. More uh, also, these companies demonstrated a very healthy annualized dividend growth of 14%. So. Pretty, pretty strong uh, backtest results. As we go down the absolute score level, uh, the hit rate and growth rate declines, which is along the lines of expectations. uh, But nonetheless, pretty encouraging results, even for low, uh, for score, like absolute score of six, uh, greater than 80% hit rate and about 10% dividend uh, growth annualized. In terms of relative scoring methodology, even there our backtest results uh, come out good, decent. If we we run a correlation between the forward DPS, uh, dividend per share growth uh, versus the relative score, we find a positive correlation. Uh, So so we have a good conviction on our ranking methodology also uh, using the relative score. Now, when we pass our universe through the dividend growth model, we get about 300 plus companies that end up with an absolute score of six and above. So essentially 300 plus companies with medium conviction above for dividend growth potential china hong kong followed by German, japan clearly dominates the filtered universe uh, which is not surprising given that their representation is large in the overall universe uh, other large regions like india southeast asia south korea also has a decent presence relative to the size of the universe while australia and new zealand is somewhat underrepresented so as we'll see later australia and new zealand actually dominates the dividend cut filtered universe so uh, essentially we were able to find more dividend cut candidates out of and new zealand than dividend growth candidates so just want to highlight that if we were to filter further if we, we were to filter these companies further by our conviction level so if you we were to look at high conviction and medium conviction names we were able to get a pretty equal distribution in terms of the overall number of companies as well as in terms of geography again china japan uh, mostly dominates and uh, we have a pretty fairly broad distribution by regions and conviction level to pick and choose uh, the companies uh, if you look at our top 5 picks basically which has uh, uh, which has names like daifuku shionogi monataro china tourism group duty free and nippon shinyako if you look at them most of our, most of them are japanese except china tourism which is chinese uh, these Japanese names are mostly from industrials and healthcare sectors, uh, while the China name is from the consumer discretionary sector. If you look at some of the commonalities among these top five names, we notice that each of, the, each of them have seen financial parameters uh, well above our thresholds. And this is not just for one or two years, but consistently so for each of the last seven years. Uh, so, which we think is quite impeccable, whether be it be dividend payout or other balance sheet metrics, this company is uh, shine through. Of particular note here is the reinvestment intensity that is declining significantly at minus 25% annualized rate, despite earnings growth being positive 2%. So, this suggests that we have been able to isolate during companies that is healthy uh, EPS growth simultaneously with declining intensity of reinvestments which suggests that there is healthy cash flow generation, which can be distributed for, as dividends. So even the dividend payout is around 3%, which is not too high, and provides enough headroom for growth. So pretty uh, decent results. Uh, now, moving on to the dividend cut model. For the dividend cut model, we have relied on short-term and long-term data points to isolate those companies, uh, which are either overstretched relative to fundamentals, and are quite fragile from a balance sheet standpoint and are also likely to, unlikely to sustain historically high dividend payouts. So our focus has been on weak fundamentals, fragility in balance sheet and historically high dividend payouts. Uh, now we've used multiple stages of filtration here. So initially we start with stage one filter where we use parameters like the current ratio, long term revenue growth and past three year dividend payout history and uh, use that for uh, to get the medium conviction candidates first and then we apply further stages of filtration to improve our conviction level one thing i want to highlight here is that for our dividend payout for this model you know we, we differentiate from other models through our dividend payout filter uh, where we are focusing on companies that have very high dividend payout so greater than 50 percent over the last three years uh, I think uh, this criteria is pretty important because it's hel- it helps us in identifying companies where there is limited scope for dividend growth through increase in dividend payouts. And uh, what happens is in, in our observation, such companies are most uh, vulnerable to cut dividend when faced with weakening fundamentals or deteriorating balance sheet. So uh, we we use, uh, so this, this is an important parameter for our model. Uh, on top of this, we use uh, most recent years' current ratio to determine how fragile is the balance sheet uh, and how stretched is the company for maintaining its uh, high dividend payout. We also use long-term and short-term revenue growth trends as proxy for bottom-up fundamental prospects of the company. So together, these parameters help us with companies with well fragility and weakening fundamentals in face of high expectations due to high dividend payout track record. To further narrow the list for higher uh, efficacy, we pass the filtered results to higher stages of filtration that use most engine thresholds, as well as additional parameter like short-term revenue growth to, to, to get higher conviction names. So let me talk about this in more detail in the next slide related to scoring and ranking. So in terms of scoring, again, we use both absolute and relative scoring. Absolute score for Sophie, we, we first use stage one parameters uh, with the least stringent threshold, so dividend payout greater than 50%, current ratio less than one, long-term revenue growth less than 10%. So we, this is the stage one we run and uh, all the companies where each of these parameters are flagged get a score of three, and which is the minimum required for us to have at least medium conviction. And then we keep raising the thresholds and we even add another parameter like short-term revenue growth for each additional stage of filtration and for each additional stage of filtration companies that pass through that filter uh, gets an additional score of one so that's how we get three four five six score for relative scoring we use long-term revenue growth parameter so we rank companies with an absolute score of three or above uh, based on their past long-term revenue growth and use the rank as relative score so companies with lower revenue growth are ranked and scored higher uh, and this is based on a hypothesis that businesses in structural decline or weak revenue growth are likely to cut dividend the most in terms of magnitude. Uh, if you look at our, our overall backtest results for this model, they again are very encouraging. Uh, the stage one filter itself yields 26 companies out of uh, 920 plus companies. And then we, as we take this 20 company 26 companies to further filtration, we end up with six companies at the very end. Uh, where each of these companies had shown negative dividend, forward dividend growth, uh, which implies that we got almost 100% we got 100% hit rate. And these companies on average had a negative 11.9% annualized uh, dividend cut. So pretty high dividend degrowth and uh, good hit rate. In terms of relative scoring also, I mean, uh, there is a positive correlation between the forward DPS uh, dividend per share growth and the long-term revenue growth, which is what the relative score is basically. So again, pretty encouraging. In terms of forecasted results, so when we pass uh, the universe through the, this model, uh, the model flags about 55 plus companies. Uh, so high conviction companies, companies with an absolute score of five or six are about 25 and the rest are medium conviction names. For the overall results, uh, Southeast Asia dominates followed by uh, Australia, New Zealand and China, Hong Kong. But if you look at the high conviction names, it's Australia and New Zealand where we are able to find the most candidates followed by Hong Kong and Southeast Asia. So it is no surprise that even within our top five picks, uh, Australia dominates. So four Australian companies and one Japanese company. If you look at commonalities across this five picks as well, all of them have the IES absolute score of six. So very high conviction for us. Average dividend payout is greater than 90% for each of the last three years in most of the cases, which is well above our threshold of 50%. Current ratio is also exceedingly low at less than 0.5 versus our one as threshold. And long-term revenue growth and short-term revenue growth is also negative on an annualized basis versus 5% annualized as threshold for us. So so pretty encouraging uh, numbers. In terms of uh, risks and limitations, I want to highlight a few points. As I alluded to earlier, I mean, the model is optimized for finding highest conviction growth opportunities. Uh, It's not necessary or highest dividend growth or cut opportunities, but it's not necessarily optimized for finding opportunities that can deliver the highest change in dividend. But nonetheless, our backtest results indicate very healthy dividend annual growth of 10% plus for high conviction names. Similarly, for our dividend cut, cut model, we were able to get a negative 8% uh, d- uh, dividend growth uh, for high conviction names. So, in terms of magnitude, also the backtest results are very encourage- encouraging. Uh, just a word of caution: obviously, the backtest results are good, but past strong results do not imply strong future results. Uh, so, uh, just be mindful of that. And, uh, but nonetheless, we have reasonable conviction of in our model because it has been designed based on robust first principles and fundamentals. I think the model is quite useful for quant managers who follow a diversified approach and take positions in the form of baskets. Uh, it also helps in narrowing down the universe significantly for deep dive due diligence for fundamental managers who are looking for dividend-oriented opportunities. So it's still really quite useful. Even uh, one, one more thing on the relative score side, I think uh, we, we, I, I showed you the positive correlations that we obtained between relative score and forward dividend growth when we run the statistical analysis, like we when we run recreations on, on the relationship, it doesn't come out statistically significant. Uh, so uh, there is correlation, but there is it does not necessarily imply causation here. So please be mindful of that. Uh, I think uh, fundamental reasoning is still robust in, in terms of our approach for relative scoring. But even if one wants to ignore the relative score and just use absolute score, the model is still very useful because it will help you isolate uh, the growth dividend growth and dividend growth opportunities just based on the absolute score as well so something to keep in mind in just some minor points now on data limitations uh, uh, just uh, we have used capital iq they uh, some of the parameters are adjusted by them so it might not match if you were to run this analysis on reported data uh, and in terms of periodic updates uh, you know we will do quarterly updates But uh, please be mindful that we use full year fiscal year data, full fiscal year data, and we don't use mid-year data. So if on a quarterly basis, there are updates, financial updates, we'll only capture the historical full year fiscal year data and not necessarily capture any mid-year updates. So just want to uh, bring that out. With that, I'm done with my prepared remarks. Thank you so much for listening to me patiently. Uh, I'll be happy to take any questions now.
0: Thank you very much for this very thorough presentation, Ankit. I think there's quite a bit of info there for us to wrap our minds around. Uh, And I do encourage you all to read Ankit's insight as well, containing the forecasting model. Uh, You can find the link in the webinar registration page. We don't have a great deal of time, but uh, maybe we can get to a couple of questions. So one question from the audience would be, uh, how many years back would the data set go? Can you share some information about that?
1: So, so right now we have used the last seven years data, uh, but I think uh, uh, some of these companies would have a longer history, 10, 20 years history. So if, we're, if one were to run backtest results going far back, uh, let's say going as back as 2005, 2010, uh, we could still do that and see what kind of results uh, we get. Mm-hmm.
0: Something that I wanted to uh, to note, it seems like in the dividend cut model, the filtered results are not as many as the dividend raise model. Uh, can you talk a bit more about that?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great observation. I think uh, just to set some context, if you look at the universe that we have of 920 plus companies, and if you look at the last five-year data, what we find is of those 920 plus companies, only 80 companies, 80 odd companies have had dividend cuts o- over the last five years. So the, the the dividend cut, the universe that could filter for dividend cuts itself is quite small. I would say it's roughly like 8 to 10% of the universe. So accordingly, our universe, like the results, um, if you look at in that context, the results that our model throws out, which is about 55 plus companies, I think it's reasonable we... If we assume the same run rate of companies would show dividend cut going forward for the next five years, then we have probably captured about 70% of potential candidates. And if we adjust for any false positives that our model might throw, uh, we would still have captured a pretty healthy number, maybe probably more than 50% of the companies that are likely to cut dividends. So I think we have been able to capture, we will probably, the model will be able to capture a good number of candidates. I see. Thank you for that.
0: Uh, another question from the audience is: Could you clarify the revenue growth criteria of the dividend cut model? Do you look at the trend or, or some ratio thereof?
1: Right. So uh, we use last seven year data, but what we do is for of the first four years of the seven years, last three years of the uh, seven years, and we take a ratio of that to get a sense of growth. The idea is we want to remove any, I mean, we want to adjust for any cyclicality and seasonality. So we, we use this uh, kind of proportions like three year and four year uh, revenues on average to get a growth, a sense of growth in the long term. Mm-hmm. And for the short term revenue growth, we have just used two years data. And uh, we've used that for dividend cut model because uh, we want to capture, you know, finding dividend cut candidates is similar to like shorting, there is a timing element to it. And we want to find candidates which are in structural weakness, but we also want an added layer that uh, they're not just in structural weakness, but in the shorter term, they're giving going through even more pain. And that's why we use like last two year revenue. And even for the current ratio, we have used the most recent year current uh, ratio. So uh, that's the kind of uh, underlying philosophy there.
0: I see. Another question would be, are there some countries, uh, according to your observations, where the tool has better predictive power compared to others?
1: I would say uh, the only distinction I would make is between emerging markets and developed markets. I think uh, most of the variables that we have used are pretty... Uh, replicable so I, I think the model would even work well for other developed countries as well uh, the only distinction between developed countries and emerging countries is uh, you know some of the emerging countries are higher growth uh, higher growth regions so some of the revenue growth parameters we have used where we have used absolute thresholds uh, might not work as well so we have tried to adjust for that in our dividend cut model where we have a different threshold for emerging markets uh, but even for the dividend payouts and all, because the reinvestment requirements are more, uh, some of the thresholds may not be as applicable uh, or at least they won't be as clean, I would say. So that is the only distinction. But otherwise, I think the parameters are fairly standardized and I, I think it's rep- they're even replicable. And I, I'm considering even extending them all to other developed countries like US, Europe over the time.
0: Mm-hmm. I say. Do you look at price performance of names in periods before and after uh, dividends were raised or lowered?
1: So at the time when I was running the analysis, I I, I remember running uh, some form of price analysis. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have uh, summarized numbers at this point, so I don't want to quote anything. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, there was a healthy mix of price growth and dividend growth that I was able to obtain, at least for the dividend growth model I remember faintly. Uh, but maybe I can rerun some of the statistics and when I do a update a quarterly update, I, I'll probably try to incorporate some of those statistics as well.
0: Yep, that would be great. Um, and it's another reason for attendees to keep an eye on uh, on the forecasting model itself. I think that's just about all the time we have today. Uh, so thank you very much, Hankit, for your presentation and for sharing your thoughts. Please note that Ankit is available for bespoke research requests or premium services. So please contact your Smart Karma account manager in this regard. Uh, if you have any other questions or comments, please email us at research at smartkarma.com. Uh, we'll make sure to pass them along. Ankit, thank you so much once again. And thanks everyone for attending. Thank you. That's it for this week. If you like this episode, please share it with your networks and follow Smart Karma on your social media. We're smart Karma everywhere. And of course, don't forget to visit SmartKarma.com for truly independent, differentiated investment research. As always, thank you very much for listening, and see you at the next one.